0: You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode 108. Talk about finding your niche with Lisa Haggis. Lisa Haggis helps service-based entrepreneurs position their businesses as one of a kind in their field for higher visibility, impact, and earning potential. Leveraging 18 years of experience in marketing and business strategy, she is committed to cracking the code on what makes a business innately interesting and worth mentioning. Little hint. It begins with having something original to say. Lisa is the founder of Realize Your Brand, a high-touch business consultancy, and the creator of the Substantial Branding Method, an approach that transforms your growing business into the legacy-level brand that you uniquely are meant to create. Lisa is here with us today to talk about the riches in your niches and how the wedding industry can do better at all of it. So go grab your coffee, grab your tea. Lisa and I are going to talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every
1: week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk
0: it out. Friends, 2022 is going to be here before you know it, and with it a brand new booking season and a brand new chance for you to show yourself, your true authentic self, and work with only the best clients for you. So how do we do that? We show up, we get visible. We are running a very, very free 30-day plan to get you and your biz back onto center stage. The challenge runs from October 24th through November 24th and ends just in time for American Thanksgiving, which is a perfect time to end with gratitude. I know that this year or the last two years has kicked all of our asses. And so I know you've had your head down working for the last six months at least. You're not alone, me too. But once you pick your head back up, it's going to be booking season. And I want you to be able to show up in your business. This is not just a challenge about Instagram. This is about showing up and being visible in many, many areas. And so I really, really, really hope you will join me in this challenge. Listen, this challenge is for everyone and also for me, because guess what? Your girl needs the accountability too. So go to reneedallo.com forward slash get visible. That's G-E-T-V-I-S-I-B-L-E reneedallo.com forward slash get visible. We're doing an accountability and strategy workbook. We are doing 30 days of prompts. We are doing Sunday work sessions for four weeks. Ready to get started? Yes, I know you are. It's a win-win. Get involved, get visible, and we will get it done together. reneedallo.com forward slash get visible. Free challenge, y'all. Get into it. Hello, hello, friends, and thank you for listening to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, Renee Dallow. I mean, where else would I be? With our special guest this week, Lisa Hagis. Lisa, how are you?
1: I'm wonderful. Thank you. I'm so excited to have your intro. (laughs) <laughs> Where else would you be? <laughs> I mean, when you name
0: the show after yourself, you kind of have to show up every week. You Can you imagine if it was like, talk with Renee Dallow, with our special guest host, like people would be like, wait, what? Just don't do an episode. So I just think it's very, I find it very funny that I named it after myself. And yet every week I introduce myself, like who else would be here? Anyway, it's a its a joke that I play with myself and either my listeners love it or hate it, but they haven't said either way to me. So. <laughs> Guys, if you don't like that joke, tell me. DM me because I I actually think it's hilarious and I'm going to keep saying (laughs) it.
1: I'm so excited to be
0: here. Lisa, I'm excited to have you here because your topic is is a topic that I personally think is very evergreen for every creative, but especially my wedding pros
1: Mm -hmm. because
0: I will tell you as a wedding industry educator, finding your niche is something that we basically demand of newbies, right? We're like, you got to find your niche. And then there is a point in business. And for me, it was around year six where I was like, oh, the niche that I thought is, is like refining. Like there's actually a different, there's like an undercover niche here the whole time that I was, that I had to like figure out. So, (laughs) right. And like, that that's at least what happened to me. And so I think like we do all this, um, talk to newbies, about like, find your niche, find your niche, find your niche. And then they do. And then a few later, few years later, we're like, okay, but find it again.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Yes. That's such a like, it's an evolution. And to like, maybe that's so helpful, just right there to say, hey, this isn't in stone, and it's not forever. Like, yes, I think that with branding, like a lot of A lot of times it comes across as though, you know, you're signing it with your blood. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you can't go back. You'll become known for this. What will it look like if you change your mind? And none of that's true if you're actually just kind of following the flow of the clarity that's coming to you as you're out there trying things, seeing what works and honing down and getting even clearer.
0: Yeah. And I love that you said while you're out there trying things. (laughs) Because honestly, if there was like a thesis statement for this entire show for the last two years, it's been get out there and try things, people. (laughs) Because Uh, we can talk about things all we want, but until we put it into action, then we don't really have the full uh, knowledge base, I don't think.
1: Yes, yes. And branding and niche and strategy and all of that stuff can definitely be a procrastination technique. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know as somebody who loves planning way more than I love doing the things that make me sweat I'm like <laughs> it is one of my favorite procrastination techniques and so when you're yeah when you're making those decisions early in business you can think it's supposed to take you months <laughs> right you can literally do it in five minutes
0: <laughs> uh, I feel like you're calling out like 10 year, 10 years ago Renee like yeah. 10 years ago Renee Just thought there was going to be a whole different thing happening. Really, like when I started my wedding planning business, and I talked about this before on the show, so my longtime listeners will definitely be like, "I know this story," but I won't tell the full story. But when I started, I thought that I was going to really serve, as far as wedding planning, like really, um, like offbeat clients. Like I thought my clients were like super artsy, super, um, like basically the people who would read Offbeat Bride, right? Like kind of avant-garde design and like. But then I and I really did market to to that to that niche, and then I found myself at a wedding show that was called what was it called the Love Sick Expo. It was my first year of business. And we were doing this this booth at the Lovesick Expo. And the night before, I was like petrified with nerves. And my husband's like, what is going on with you? Like, why are you so freaked out by this? And I was like, I don't have anything to wear. These people are going to look at me and be like, she's a fraud. She's not one of us. <laughs> and honestly, like if I had had the clarity then that I have now, I would have been like, well, isn't that a sign that you're serving the wrong niche here, Renee? Because it's not like it wasn't an authentic situation. My mindset is very open-minded. I'm, and I will, I really will work with anyone. But like, if I'm talking about like my niche, like who is attracted to me, no, it's completely different. And it took me like a full year to figure out that who I wanted to uh, work with wasn't necessarily what was attracted to me.
1: Yes. Yes. I like one of the questions that I love to use kind of in the, the niching like around audience is like, who. Like, who loves how you're a little weird? (laughs) Like, if you're really conscientious and thorough and, you know, uh, can't put down your list, what kind of client out there needs exactly that and is going to love it and appreciate it versus loving you in spite of it?
0: Right. 100%
1: yeah and so, yeah it kind of sounds like that's the journey that you that you were on there, and also, like finding people like when you're choosing your person that you're designing your business for, and that's the language I like to use. It's like choose the person and then design the business that serves them when you're choosing that person, they have to share your values you have to want to be in a party with them. Like you want to have to be mm-hmm. in a room with them and you kind of also want them to feel comfortable being in a room with each other.
0: Well, that's a great point.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Like picture them together. And are they just kind of staring each other down?
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Like that's not a good sign. <laughs>
0: That's a really excellent point. All right. So let's let's go back foundational. And just mm-hmm. for some of the listeners who might be like, great, great, great. Yeah. Finding my niche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to that next year. Why, mm-hmm. why do we need to be able to identify and also express what makes us unique as business owners?
1: Yes. Okay. So a lot of people think it's a marketing tactic. Like you have to find your niche so that you can speak to them. And that is 100% true and part of it. But what I think is even more important is if you don't know your niche, if you're not specific about you know, what you're the go-to person or service provider for or who you're that person for, you can't be relevant to them. You can't design your offerings, your processes, your services in a way that gets specifically that person exactly the, the results that they want or the experience they want. So when you're broad, you create mediocre experiences. And when you're niched and you're focused, you create mind blowing experiences for I love those it. people.
0: I yeah. Love it. One of my favorite quotes, and I gosh, I don't remember who it's attributed to now, but um I used to have it on the wall of the office before I redid it. It said minimalism is fine. Maximalism is too. What we try to avoid is mediumism.
1: Oh, yes. That's, that is so relevant here. Like don't yeah. be in the middle.
0: Yeah. I think we, it's interesting though, because I think sometimes as people, sometimes we get more, we get comfortable in the middle, right? There's comfort there. But one of the things I've been leaning into lately, especially with the episodes I've been recording is like, it's okay to be uncomfortable. <laughs> Right? Like, not everything has to be like a snug, comfy blanket that's like, this is the perfect fit. Like, sometimes it takes a little bit um, of friction, I think, to find your niche. Do you agree?
1: Always. Yeah, like, I think if it, like, I would actually say if it feels comfortable, you're probably just wimping out. Like, (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm I'm, like, all for the most, like, game changing decisions you're going to make in your business are the scary ones. They're the ones that you, that make you think like, who do I think I am doing this? Or uh, nobody will want to work with me. Like if those kind of things aren't going through your head, you're still in safe mode. Like you're still vanilla. And like, sometimes vanilla is who is, is, can be its own kind of, you know, rebel revolutionary, but like, so, so I don't have anything against vanilla, but it's still really staying in that safe, zone because the reason you don't feel scared is because you're probably setting yourself apart the same way that everyone else is setting themselves apart.
0: Yeah. Well, this goes back to the thing that I frequently say, especially for my wedding planners out there. If your website says I plan weddings because I love weddings, start over.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Like don't, Um, like your, your passion, like, I see that a lot, actually. Like, I love that you pointed that out. Like how much you love what you do is not a differentiator. No, it's
0: irrelevant. If you don't love what you do, go do something else. I don't want to hear about it. Like, I, I hate that. Even when I was an actor, people would be like, I love acting because it's, it just like, I need to express myself in that way. I'm like, well, that's great for you, but what does the audience need?
1: Exactly. Yes. Well, and the other thing too, it kind of reminds me of a conversation that I had with a potential client, uh, just last week. Like, she was thinking that nobody compared to her, um, because of the excellence that she provided in her services and like, what I pointed out is you're comparing yourself to your worst competitors instead of your best ones. Like you have to, (laughs) you have to assume that you're being compared to other people who are actually good at what they do, not people who are not. Um, But you see that a lot, right? And then excellence should be the baseline. Exactly. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's tough. Cause I think again, like a lot of people come into, especially the wedding industry, but maybe, maybe many creative industries with a lot of desire and a lot of passion, but not a lot of hard skills and background. Right. So it's easy to say, I'm starting a wedding planning business because I love weddings, but mm-hmm. that doesn't really, um, tell us anything about, about, about you as a service provider at all.
1: Yes. Yes. And I, I, I would love to, uh, guide, like share a little bit about what I would say to those people and how I would help them. Um, So everything, like everything about how you position yourself, how you differentiate yourself, it has to begin with your unique point of view on your industry, on your client's needs and and what they want and on life in general um like you have like whether wherever you are kind of in developing your expertise and your experience in your industry um there's a reason you went into the industry and there's a point of view that you have formed from your life as a human <laughs> um that is fresh that is different um and it might just be seeds you know like Right now, and they might be kind of hard to find because we have to kind of wade through a lot of the same stuff that everyone's saying. But when you find out how you see things differently, from there, you can really start to do things differently. And you can also get clues as to who your ideal people would be. And like, so have a point of view, like, have some opinions, and that will really set you on the path to figuring out your unique place in the industry. 100%.
0: I think one of the things I tell my potential wedding planning clients that either seals the deal or sends them far away from me, (laughs) (laughs) honestly, is that my background is pretty specifically professional musical theater and fine dining in New York City. That's my perspective on how I plan weddings, right? I need it to be an experience for their guests, And I need the the standard of service throughout for me and all my vendors to be like impeccable. If they're not interested in that, they won't hire me, right? Mm -hmm. If they're the kind of couple who prefers to have the attention solely on them and, you know, screw their guests, I'm not for them. And I make it really clear. But it took me a few years to realize that all the things I did in my life before I became a wedding planner were the things that... Sculpted my perspective on this, and that is why I have the opinions I have.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, like so, like within there, it sounds like your opinion is your wedding's not just for you (laughs)
0: 100%, right? (laughs) 100%.
1: Whereas there are probably people out there as well who just as powerfully say your wedding is for you,
0: absolutely. Oh, yeah, 100%. And it's perfect, it's per and it's perfect. And I can even tell when I'm doing my consult calls. But just by the answers that my prospective clients give me to certain questions I ask if they're for me or not, I ask all my clients if they if they regularly host events, like host dinners in their home. Now, of course, during COVID, that wasn't a fruitful question, um, <laughs> but it'll hopefully be again soon. And if they told me like, oh, no, no, we're not the hosts. We, we've never hosted in our house or we don't host together. That's a red flag for me.
1: I love that. That's so, yeah, so clear, so specific. Um yeah. And it does, it derives from your unique point of view, because how you do what you do will um, be shaped by how you see things and and your opinions. So it all fits together. Yeah. So...
0: Once you figure out what makes you unique, I mean, and, and I, I, I say that and it sounds so simple, like, okay, well, once you figure out everything about you, that's awesome. Uh, what do you do then? I, I really do think like when you when you start figuring that out, I mean, for me, it was like a process for me. And I don't know if this is probably, this isn't probably anything that you teach because it sounds so unteachable in a way. I just really had to start. I really started paying attention to the things people said to me about me. Mm, yes. In a way that I hadn't really tuned into before.
1: Yeah, I think that that's definitely something, of course you can like, so is the question how, like, so this is when you've already figured out what's unique about you, what you do next, or is this, how do you figure out? I guess let's start with how. How Okay. (laughs) Well, yeah, I, um, I think that there are some really good questions you can ask yourself. Like one of the questions that I would suggest to start with is like, why do weddings matter? you know, for somebody who's in the wedding industry, like see what your opinion is on that, or why do weddings not matter? Or what kind, you know, what kind of weddings suck? And what kind of weddings are amazing? And what makes a wedding amazing? Or what do you see other people in the, like, what do you see people who are getting married doing wrong that you hate that you wish nobody would do? (laughs) Like, you know, just those kinds of questions that dig up your opinion. And then like, it's about finding the stuff that feels really resonant to you that you would like kind of fight for it, like you would wear it on a t shirt, you know. Yes. Um, and then that can really be at the center of how you build your business and how you how you communicate your value to people like, like, I think you're such a great example with um, this, this, you know, your wedding is a an experience for everyone. It's not just for you. And then I'm sure that, and then it, it aligns with your background, so it kind of makes use of your superpowers, and it will shape the experience that your clients have because you're not holding back. Um, and I think, like, that's the answer to the second question. Like, so you figure out something that makes you unique, and and I'll also share. It's not just one thing. Like, you can have multiple things that you're putting in the mix. Um, the key then is to not hold back because that's where most people really do. That's where they, everything breaks down is they don't own it. They're too afraid to go all in. They hold back. They hedge like, they, they add a whole bunch of fluff <laughs> um, around the core of what it is they should be saying.
0: That's an excellent point. I also, when you said it's, you know, it, it's not just the one thing. I think it, for me, at least it ends up being very layered. Right. So Mm -hmm. the first layer is like my ideal wedding planning clients, you know, they are the people who host parties in their home. Like they, they are gracious hosts in their everyday. And so of course that's going to extend to their wedding. But then when I really think about it, and this is funny because it came up last night at this networking event that I was, I was at for the first time in two years where someone who didn't know me asked like, well, who do you serve? And I said, you know, my clients are generally speaking creative individuals. They're generally like people that host in their real life. And then I, I offhand said, you know, they're kind of like casually wealthy and generous. <laughs> yeah. And that is, and that is a hundred percent who my people are, right? Whether or not they would describe themselves that way, but they're when I, when I said that out loud, I thought, well, that is the key, isn't it? Because they're wealthy without being showy, but they're generous with their wealth, and they're not, they're not stingy. They're not like everything for me, no, nothing for you. Right.
1: Yes. Oh, I, I have a question for you. Yeah, of course. Would you say that that describes you as well?
0: A hundred percent. Right. And even, and even more <laughs> than that, it describes my father. Oh, was,
1: interesting. Who
0: was very much generous and, you know, all the things that I said, like I that is that. definitely like my family vibe on that side of the family for sure. So yes. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's, um, yeah, it's just, it really was like a very clarifying moment to have to describe what I do to someone who did not know me at all.
1: I love it. Yeah. And that, that kind of like, um, like, obviously it it sounds like it's a value, right? Like that's something that that you value. And I, I definitely, when it comes to choosing your ideal clients, values are, are another path to finding them. Like they should care about what you care about um and yes. that's values so if you've got some values again that you're passionate enough about that you would put it on a t-shirt um then you want to find the the client who also is going to like stand up and you know cheer when you talk about that value
0: yeah and i love that you said that and also i think lisa I, i'm this is sort of like coming to me in the moment but like i used to think when i heard what you said what you know, what everyone says about niche is like, well, th- it might be you find people that are just like you. I used to think that meant, well, these people like musical theater and they like sushi and they're from New York. No, it's value-based for yes. me. Yes. Uh-huh. I think that that,
1: like I think there's two things that I see really common. Um, and it's, One is that they share your values and then the other is often that they share your life journey, like that they are um, on the same journey, trying to reach a similar goal that you have yourself been on and, you know, you're a few, you're, you're some steps ahead. So you want to go back and help other people with what you struggled with. I, I see that quite a bit as well.
0: Yeah. And it's funny that you say that now, because, uh, just in this season, of bookings, which have all been new, I have actually started to work with a bunch of female entrepreneurs, women who own their own businesses who are getting married. And so I think that's the, that's the journey that we share in common because they know that not only do I have the wedding planning business, but I have the education business um, pretty equally now after the pandemic. And I think that they see themselves in that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it makes sense because the more that you, like the more empathy that you can have, the more deep understanding that you have for this client that you're building your business for, the more relevant you can create your, like in your messaging, your content, your offerings. Um, And then of course they're going to get like, they're going to have the kind of experiences that they go and they talk about because of all of that. And so it just perpetuates itself. Yes, I love it.
0: All right. So we talked about why, we talked about how, how do you figure it out? And so what now, what happens once you figure it out? I know we talked about like, well, marketing and communicating, but like if someone needs like a hot tip today, like what is something people can do like now?
1: Well, one of the things that I would say is like, it shouldn't be on paper. Like it should be actually baked into your business model or your offerings or your client experience. Like It's not enough to say this is how I'm different and then just like leave it at that and think that you've differentiated yourself. Like it should show up in every touch point across your entire business experience. It should be, you know, if you've got a a signature offering, it should be different than other people's signature offering because of this thing.
0: I love it. I love it because you know how I feel everyone listening about day of coordination versus wedding management, make it your own. Do not come at me with some day of coordination bullshit. (laughs) I hate it. And I mean, I teach a whole course on it, but, but I do even in my course say, and in all my courses say, this is how I do it. I'm teaching it to you. Now you go make it your own. Mm -hmm. And I think the making it your own piece is possibly sometimes the thing that we skip over in, in the maybe fear of putting ourselves, our real selves out there. How do you think people should get over that piece?
1: Oh, well, I mean, I, for me, it certainly has always taken a coach or some person who can help me separate the things I'm thinking that I think are true (laughs) from, you know, like the facts from just the thoughts, because a lot of the things that stop us, um, they're just things we're telling ourselves that we're thinking are 100% true. Like, like, I don't have the right to do this, or people are going to uh, wonder who do I think I am? Or, you know, like those, those kinds of things that get in our way and really stop us from putting ourselves out there or, an even like more kind of sinister subtle one is, mm, I'm not sure. I don't know. Like this might mm-hmm. not be it. What if this mm-hmm. isn't it? Right. Like I would say that's probably the most, uh, like the worst one. So you, you really need to learn to not operate from those kinds of thoughts. Yeah. Um, you have to, notice them and you, you there's a mindset piece like there's you can't you cannot succeed in business without the mindset piece Um, so like I help set up my clients with strategies decisions they they build these amazing offerings and everything and I always say like if the mindset piece isn't there you might as well times it all by zero <laughs> it's like <laughs> oh wow
0: I love that by zero. It's yeah, I think harsh. It, is, well, it is. No, but listen. Uh, first of all, I'm all about the. Just let's just be clear. Like, obviously, I'm all about the talking directly. But I also love the idea. I just love the idea that, like, you know, there's so many business coaches out there that are like 10x your, you know, your income, and you're like, you can just, uh, you can just multiply that by zero. Just do yourself. Th- just let's be clear. <laughs> um, no, but I think the inner critic voice is so strong in everyone, right? I mean, it comes for me. It ebbs and flows. Like there are definite weeks or projects or days where uh, inner critic is like running wild in my head. Uh, a lot of the, who do you think you are is a big one for me. Mm-hmm. It's actually to be like very transparent. A thing that my a, a actual, an actual phrase my mother would say to me when I was a kid, because mm. I was, I was very, I guess I just did whatever the hell I wanted. <laughs> and um, I was also an only child, like in the city. Like, you know, I was, I wasn't a wild child at all. I was a good kid, but I, I guess I had these moments where my mother would be like, who, who do you think you are to do this? And I'd be like, well, what's the worst that could happen? That was always my answer to her. <laughs> what's the worst that could happen? So meanwhile, imagine hearing that from like a 10-year-old. You'd be like, what's the worst that could happen? Like a million things. But um, but I think about that now when I have that, what's the worst, you know, like, who do you think you are voice? Mm-hmm. The response is always, well, what's the worst that could happen? I try something, I learn something, I figure something out. Like it's not the end of the world. I think shoring up the confidence to always have our own backs is part of the mindset work of putting yourself out there and niching down and being authentic to to who you want to serve and who you think you best serve. I also think like the proof is in the response that you get. Like if people are booking you, then that's a great response and that should shore up maybe that
1: confidence about it. Definitely. Well, and the other thing too, like um, something that really has helped me, like I heard Brooke Castillo say this line, she says, it's all a feeling like the only thing you're Mm -hmm. afraid of is a feeling. (laughs) Yeah. And so like the worst that can happen is actually just a feeling of like, maybe disappointment or embarrassment or something like that. And like, wow, that just really shifted my perspective because I think up until then, I actually thought there was something that could really go wrong. Like, <laughs> right, right, you know, and like, of course, I think financially, there can be stories like, oh, I'm gonna go broke. And I'm, you know, those, those are a little more concrete than a feeling. But even sure. when you go broke, it's just a feeling, you know, like, right. So right. I, I love what you're said, what you said, it's about thinking, what's the worst that can happen, and then becoming okay with that. Yeah. And then you can go for broke. There's nothing to
0: lose. And every time I launch a course, every single time, and now we have like four, uh, yeah, four of them. Every single time I think, oh, no one, maybe no one will want this. Like I have that. I spend hours and hours and weeks and weeks. I have a whole team of people working on things. And I always think, well, maybe no one will want this. And the last time it happened, I thought to myself, what if I just skipped over this feeling? Like, what if I let it happen? Cause I know it's going to happen. And then just thought, nope, don't need that today. Like Mm -hmm. what happens if I just skip over it? Am I going to die or get pregnant? No, I can just skip over this feeling. And that probably sounds very simplistic, but it worked. <laughs> it worked, right? Because I didn't let myself dwell in the what if, what if, what if. I just thought, well, I think this is information people need. Just like with wedding planning, we can all think I think this is a service that can really help this particular client. I'm gonna move forward with my best intentions, which are always to help and serve and teach, right? Yeah. Um and I think if we stay there grounded in that, maybe that's another way to get around the mindset of like, well, who do I think I am?
1: Definitely. Yeah. And I think that like my sense is that you're like an action taker and you've got this kind of habit of, of being in the drive. And I know for me, I'm a little bit, different. Like I'm I'm not, I'm, I'm action taker would be like the lowest on the list of my strengths. So I can very easily stop myself and do nothing. (laughs) And what I found is I really do need a coach. I really do need, you know, I've got a mastermind group of amazing women. Um, I need that purely because I'm so good at procrastinating by overthinking things. And so when emotions come up, um, like, and and I'll, I'll say I, I might not, you know, like, I needed it to start, like, now yeah. I'm pretty good at managing it on my own. But for me, like, I needed a boost, I needed some mm-hmm. some help for somebody to really see the ways I was doubting myself and help me see them.
0: Yes. Um.
1: I don't know if I would have, like, like, I certainly would not have gotten to where I am as quickly as I have if I didn't have that, that piece. Um, Yeah, I love that. Well, and the other thing I want to say is I, I, when I reached that point where I, I did find a coach who really helped and and shifted things for me, I wasn't looking for it because I didn't think it was my problem. I didn't think my self esteem or, or, you know, like, the mindset stuff, I didn't think that was the problem. I thought I had a strategy problem or a, an offering problem or, you know, like I I was kind of still thinking, oh, but I don't think I have this right or I don't think I have that right. And so I was really lucky that I stumbled into that help because it was actually what I needed. Like I, I knew what I like. I'm a business strategist. I knew. Right. What, right. <laughs> but I was just so stuck in the self-doubt spiral, um, but I could not see it.
0: Well, I would think it's really hard for us sometimes to see our own business, which is kind of what brings me back to what I had said to you early on, which is like, I just got good at listening to what other people said about me and about my business. Yes. And because I often think, I listen. I know back then I couldn't see what other people saw. I was just in it. I was in the hustle. I was in the grind. I am a huge proponent of just working real hard. Right. So to me, I was like, that's how I'm going to get going to get forward here. I'm just going to work real hard. And, it, you know, it worked, but I don't I don't think that's right for everyone, certainly. Um, but I started listening. I remember I did a wedding with this officiant who was so lovely. And we were talking after the wedding. She's kind of, she kind of hung around during the, during the flip before the reception started. And she said, um, in a very nice way, and it's it's a compliment, but she said, <laughs> you're, you're just like the Mary Poppins, like the no nonsense and Mary Poppins of wedding planning, aren't you? And I was <laughs> like, wow. And she's like, I mean, you're very no nonsense. And I was like, no, I, I know that. I mean, I'm from New York, but so like, and I'm in California and everyone here has a very different energy than, than me. And then the Mary Poppins thing, she was like, yeah, you're just like, you're cheerful, but you'll also cut a bitch. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is exactly who I am, right? Like that.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes.
0: <laughs> but like having someone else here, like say that to me, it's like, you have to receive those things and not just brush them off and go like, oh, you, that's crazy. You don't know. I like literally, I remember like physically feeling what she said and being being like, huh. Huh.
1: That, yes. Yeah. Yeah
0: that is, can I use that on a website? And she's like, yes. I'm like, that's fucking accurate. All right. And I just wandered away from that conversation. Like I just learned something about myself.
1: Right. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. And then like, first you learn it and then you can even double down on it more. Right. Like right. that's the, right. the key. And, um, and that, what you just shared, like, that makes me think it's worth mentioning, like you can go out and ask for this feedback. <laughs> like, yes. And I, you know, I, I'm always shocked by how rare it is to go to your clients and ask for feedback. Um, and that's such a huge opportunity. Like, go ask, like, what were the highlights? What do you think I could be the best in the world at and, or the best, you know, if I'm a wedding planner, what makes me an amazing wedding planner? Like ask these questions. So yeah. like people just skip right over that and they miss this huge opportunity to see themselves in their client's eyes.
0: Also And also, ask your fellow vendors like if you work if there are vendors who refer you, if there are people that you know love working with you, ask them why mm. because i often, I often think too, especially for wedding pros, you know we work in such close proximity with other vendors on these wedding days, we get to see each other like bringing our a games. Uh, DJs, photographers, venues, they see everyone come through their door. They have opinions. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) They definitely have opinions and they will share them with you. But oftentimes we get, I think we all get stuck in this, like, well, they refer me, they must like me. That's the end of the story. If we ask really generative questions, we can get really like, uh, like a lot of really gold feedback, right? Like, not, don't just ask, like, the venues who refer you, like, oh, I guess you must like how I work. Ask, why specifically did you refer me to these specific clients? Because mm-hmm. oftentimes the venues especially, because they see them on the first line sometimes, will say to me, oh, I sent you Christina and Gabe because you had these things in common. Or sometimes it's not as not necessarily as helpful, but say, oh, they I felt like their vibe was very your vibe. Mm-hmm. Which, you
1: know. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then the other thing that that makes me think of is like just a reminder, your niche is the person you serve, but it can also be a, like the problem you solve. Mm-hmm. And like and I think you would definitely hear that. Like when somebody refers somebody specifically to you, it could be because they see you as a specific kind of problem solver.
0: Yes. I get that sometimes uh this is going to sound horrible. I don't mean it to sound this way, but I do get a lot of clients who have challenging moms. I also have a challenging mom. <laughs> and I think that the everyone, not everyone who knows me knows that, but like there is a vibe there where they're like, oh, this mom who thinks she's gonna run the show, Renee will stand up to her.
1: <laughs> yes. I love it. So, that is such a perfect example of like, yeah, you're the go-to for <laughs> for somebody who has the specific problem of a challenging mom. Like Right. And
0: other people might be like specifically niche to like um mixed cultures, perhaps. Yes. Or
1: Or like destination
0: weddings or hard logistical weddings. I actually do love hard. Like if it's logistically complicated, I'm like, send them my way. I love it. Um, That's the weird like masochist part of my brain. But I love that you said that, Lisa, because I do think we spend uh, a lot of time talking about like personalities and, and values and that's great. But then also... Figure out what you're good at, and then also figure out what you suck at. Because, like, honestly, <laughs> in those first few years of my business, I was trying to make it work with a lot of DIY couples and a lot of budget clients, and I don't like it. I don't. Yes. And this is not to say that there's there's nothing wrong with the DIY wedding. There is nothing wrong with someone on a very strict budget. It's just tough for me. Yep. and I know that now, after much trial and error and hard lessons learned.
1: Right, and there's probably somebody out there who that is exactly their sweet spot.
0: Oh, I can name, like, I can think of like five different people in my market who love stick yeah. st- they have multiple spreadsheets for budgets and they, they will literally figure out how many forks you can afford. I don't, I'm not,
1: I'm not <laughs> well, not gonna. I love that because that like, to me, that kind of, okay, here's the question that lets you know, whether you've niched enough is would somebody who is in the exact same industry as you know, when to refer to you instead of taking that client themselves.
0: That's an excellent question. And for me personally, I freaking hope so because I know who to refer out to. But for everyone listening, ask yourself that in your own market. When you get referrals from other creatives, are they valid? Are they real referrals? Or is it something that you're like, why was this sent to me? Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, is. If there's like, if, if everybody's coming to you and you think they're all your perfect client, <laughs> then you probably have not niche enough. Like if there's nothing that, you know, you want to send off to someone else, um, then you're still trying to be everything to everyone.
0: Yeah. I think the most powerful thing is saying, saying no to the things that, you know, are not right for you. Yes. And it took me years to get there, but now I'm like the queen of the no train. I'm like, nope, nope, not doing it. Nope, nope, nope. Sorry. No. Yeah. It's great.
1: And, it, and like, I guess the other thing for people who are just getting started is like, it, there's no shame in saying yes a lot at first. Um, I agree. Like, you know, a lot of business advice sounds really high and mighty, like say lots of no, but no, don't say no. no until, you know, you've said enough of the yeses and t- done enough business that you feel ready to make the next decision.
0: Mm-hmm. Like- well, I think say yes to everything until you until you learn what to say no to.
1: Exactly,
0: yeah. And it took me years. I just want to be clear that I'm saying this. It took me years. Like, And people who listen for a while know this part too, but like, my first year, I did eight weddings. My next year, I did 28 weddings. I was saying yes to everyone because I needed to figure out my shit. I needed to figure out who my people were. I needed to figure out how I liked to work. And for me, the only way I could think to do that was to experience it because I really, I learn best when I'm in it. Not just you know, not just like theorizing about it.
1: Yes, like you cannot choose your niche like at the starting line. <laughs> like
0: you yeah, have. Well, everyone to... tries to. We all try to. But yeah, yeah. Like
1: you can choose a niche. Like sure, do it. That like that's amazing. Like just be brave. Choose a niche and then get going. But it's definitely something that you like. The just know that the bolder you're willing to be with choosing your niche at the beginning, the faster your business will grow. So if you're okay with it, you know, growing a little slower, because people don't know what to refer you, what kind of work to refer you, then you don't have to niche. But if you want like, lots of referrals right from the start, just choose something.
0: Yeah, that's the best advice I think anyone could give because I, I do think we, we you know, at first, we're all generalists. And, And even with the education brand, like, well, I guess I did, I niched really quickly into like wedding management, but then like overwhelmingly it was like, well, what else do I want to teach? People want me to, you know, people keep asking me to do like, uh, do a whole course on wedding planning. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. (laughs) Other people have, like, there's plenty of other great courses out there, right? Like, there's nearly nothing uniquely that I think I can say that I can't just say, hey, go take my friend Amber's course instead, right? So, but uh, it's okay to be, to start as a generalist, but I think the quicker you can move yourself into, um, really exploring yourself and your business and what you want from it. And it's, even though it feels tough and scary and like, who am I to be doing this work? It's like, this is exactly the work that you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And then also again, mid-career when you're like, okay, well now I've up-leveled, what's my new niche? Or like, how can I refine? Like I said, like, how do you refine
1: that niche once you know
0: more about yourself and your business?
1: Definitely. Yeah. Like there's so many ways that you can scale once you've, but like, don't do that until you've actually succeeded in a niche. Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Okay. So I want to
0: talk about your substantial branding method before I, because I, I could keep you here all day, but you,
1: know,
0: <laughs> I, you have things to do. Ta- talk to me about, about this method.
1: Okay. Well, so the method really comes from my belief that businesses should be innately interesting and worth talking about um, well before you worry about marketing them. Um so it comes from being a marketing person who had to market a lot of businesses that weren't interesting. <laughs> um and so, you know, it's a lot of what we've been talking about. It's about designing a business that's different, not just on paper, but in your offerings, in who you serve, being specific enough that it's like built just for them and a really unique experience, having a a, a approach or a methodology that aligns with your unique point of view, like having a take on things, having something original to say and something worthwhile to offer. And those are all those fundamental decisions that are actually in the business strategy piece before you move into, okay, now I'm gonna try to market myself. But when you have an interesting business, marketing yourself is just telling the truth. It's just putting out there <laughs> the fact that, yeah, my business is like a no brainer choice for this exact kind of person. And I get better results because this is my take on it, my way of doing it. So, um, so yeah, it's really about finding each person um, because every business owner has all of these pieces inside of them, you know, they're based on their point of view, their expertise, their background, just like you, like you, you're such a perfect example of how your background and your point of view and your, um, you know, unique skill set, you've chosen a niche audience, you've got a different fresh approach. Um, and as a result, there's you're uncomparable, like there's nobody like you in the wedding industry. That's what substantial branding
0: is. (laughs) You're welcome. Speaking of like, but like speaking of t-shirt slogans, the fact that you said like real marketing is just telling the truth about your business. It's like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Like
1: how, like how amazing is that to think you don't have to fabricate, you don't have to exaggerate, you don't have to be cute or sassy or like, like so much of marketing and branding is personality based and, for people like me, like I, I used to call myself a bagel, like <laughs> because, um, because my sister has this T-shirt that says "In a world filled with bagels, dare to be a sprinkle donut," um, and I'm like, and I'm like, you know what? What about us bagels? Like, how are we surprised? <laughs>
0: <laughs> listen, I love a bagel, and I think they're very interesting. So. Well,
1: they're substantial, <laughs> and
0: they're um, listen—they're comforting, they're delicious. I'm on board for a bagel.
1: Yes, well, <laughs> exactly, and so, so yeah, my, you know, the substantial branding approach is really—it's not based on your personality. It's none of the, these like surface level, gimmicky, superficial tactics setting yourself apart. It's really getting clear about how you see things differently and building a deeply different business from that place.
0: I love it. I, it's funny as you're, as you're talking, I'm thinking, yeah, all those pink girl bossy brands, which like to be, let's be fair. I do find them motivating. And sometimes I regram them on my stories if it's, Mm -hmm. but I would never create a brand like that for myself. And I remember when we were doing the Renee Dallow brand, once I figured out that like, oh, I actually needed, this was like back in 2018 when I was like, I needed to like do more with this. I said to my brand designer, nothing pink, nothing frilly, nothing girly. And I sent her a bunch of brands that were that. And I said, the opposite of this. (laughs) And And she was like, well, that's very descriptive. And I was like, I'm just trying to be extremely clear. Like, I don't want it to be like if we're going to, you know, in a very like heteronormative way, like I don't want it to be super masculine, but it can't be this. And she's like, got it. And because I couldn't have in good conscience put out something that didn't feel true to myself.
1: Yeah, of course. And like, I love that question, actually. Like, so what are you the opposite of?
0: You yeah, know? sometimes, a, yeah, sometimes it's easier. It's easier sometimes it's, even with our clients. Right. I mean, I asked my clients, like, tell me about the worst wedding you've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Because those answers are going to tell you everything. So many of my clients are like, I was at a wedding where I had a buffet and I had to wait in line for my food. And I'm like, first of all, you're my people because I hate that too. But also like, <laughs> I learn a lot about you from that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Same thing with
0: our brands. Like, who are you the opposite of? Especially in your local market. Like, look around. Who do you look at and go, that's an interesting business. I would never want that.
1: Yes. Yeah. You know? And you also don't want the kind of clients who want that either.
0: Absolutely.
1: Now, I... I know
0: you said brand, your brand isn't based on your personality, but I do want to ask you this question because I ask a lot of uh, brand uh, strategists this. Mm-hmm. Because you know, oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we're obviously told to put ourselves in our business, our full selves, right? Like, talk about your values, talk about talk about what you believe in, all these things. I I don't personally feel this way, but I know a lot of people that do. How do you coach people who who say they don't want to put the, their per, their personal stuff out in the world? Like, they feel very private about all of it.
1: Oh, yeah. So the first thing like that I'll say is, you can have a business that's really authentic to who you are without it being a personal brand and without even being the face of it, really, like if you, if you look at companies, you know, like, I don't know, I love the company. Actually, this might be a Canadian company or the method. Do you guys do you know method? Cleaning, cleaning products. products? Yeah.
0: I love method. I'm obsessed. Okay. No,
1: they're not Canadian. I don't think so. Um, So method cleaning products is, you know, an example of a company that is just filled with like, you can tell that there's somebody behind it yeah. who had <laughs> a vision, who had a point of view. Point, yeah. They had a point of view. They had a vision. They had values and a purpose. And they took all of that and they created a company that brought it to life in a way that they didn't have to be the face of it. But it, but without that person having those things in the background, that brand would have never came into existence. That's an excellent, excellent example because
0: I love Method, and I
1: think that I know them.
0: Them, the who them? There is yeah. no them. But I feel like I know Method, and I'm devoted to them. Like I have a lot of brand loyalty to them. How yes,
1: me too. Yeah, like I, I can kind of picture the people, but they certainly have not been, you know, like in the forefront, that's not why their brand is successful because of they didn't have to put themselves in the spotlight. Um, But their point of view is in the spotlight.
0: Uh, Lisa, that's an excellent, excellent point. I actually had to get comfortable with putting my own personal brand out there so much so that a few weeks ago, I mean, by the time you guys hear this, it'll have been months, but a few weeks ago I was doing a speaking gig. Um, I was traveling a lot in June uh, a, around a bunch of different WIPA, um locations and I was doing a lot of speaking and I gave like a 45 minute presentation on leadership and all the questions afterwards were personal questions about me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was completely like, what is happening? But I wasn't uncomfortable with it because I've, you know, I've been talking into this microphone for two years, telling personal stories about my life. So like. It It is, there is a, a strange disconnect in podcasting where you talk and you don't know who's listening, but then you hear questions like that come back out at you and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I mean, people are listening, so that's nice. But I I had to get comfortable with that, you know, when I started years ago, but even in that moment of those questions, there was like a tight, it was only only a tiny little thing in the back of my base of my skull that was like, huh, that's personal, right? <laughs> but but I, I get to answer in whatever way suits me, right? I don't have to tell every single story that's ever occurred to me. And it probably sounds to people that listen that I, I don't really self edit that much, but there are some things that I won't talk about on here. And there are some questions that I probably wouldn't answer if they were asked. No one, no one got inappropriate at all, but it was just a funny thing where I was like, no one wants to talk about leadership though. We want to talk... Okay. Well, no, you can ask me more questions about me. Yeah. That's not comfortable. Not uncomfortable at all.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. 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 It was interesting. I mean, of course I think like there is definitely kind of a wave of putting yourself at the forefront of your business. And most of the clients that I work with, you know, want to be thought leaders. They, they Mm -hmm. do want to uh, have a voice and share a unique message and that is going to take a certain amount of visibility. Um, But I certainly, like I would say um, that you do not have to be the face of your brand to base your brand on your unique point of view. I love that. I love that. Lisa, this conversation has been
0: fantastic. And again, I really do wish I could just talk to you all day. I always threaten that to the guests that I super love where I'm like, we're just going to do this all day as if like we couldn't just go on clubhouse and literally do it all day. I mean, we could, Um, but that's, that's a different, that's a different situation.
1: Uh, Lisa, where can everyone find you on the internet? Yeah. So you can find me at realizeyourbrand.com. That's with a Z um, or lisahaggis.com. So I've got a personal site. I've got a business site for my consulting agency. um, And yeah, that's where you find me.
0: Love it. And we'll link to everything in the show notes, of course. So you guys, especially if you're driving, just check out the show notes and you can click on through. Lisa, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Renee. This was like incredible.
0: Yay. I think so, too. Lovely listeners, thank you for spending your time with us. I know your time is something that you can't get back, so I never take it lightly that you spent it with us. We will see you next week, same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.
1: Sick of being upsold at gyms?